0: W-O-C-O-L-P 103.9 FM
1: Knoxville You're listening to Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on Wozo 103.9 LPFM in Knoxville, Tennessee Feel free to join in on the conversation at 865-333-5937 That's 865-333-5937 And now, back to the show Digital Free Thought radio hour simply the best
0: and hello this is larry rhodes at digital free thought radio hour um this is wzo 103.9 LPFM line live in knoxville tennessee you're listening and uh, i have uh the wombat online with me hold on let me see if i've got that yeah i've got a up. To- go ahead uh wombat hey i'm the wombat how about five seconds of silence and so a piece works for me. We're going to do a little audio test here. It's going to be quiet for a second so he can get five seconds of audio uh, silently. So hold on. Perfect. And there we Let's go. Let's get the show on the road. Okay. We're uh, running the air conditioner in here. Hopefully it won't be too much of a problem I'm trying to turn the mics down so it won't be so, so sensitive to it. Um, but we'll go on with the show. This is a live Atheist Call-In Radio Show. We'll be talking about atheism, free thought, rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. Conversely, we'll also talk about religion, religious faith, gods, holy books, and superstition. And despite what Steve Martin would have you think, there are an awful lot of atheist songs out there, and you'll be hearing them right here on this program, and generally on the station, as they are in rotation. I'll also be talking about atheist and rationalist groups that exist here in Knoxville and how you can connect with them. Also, did you know that there's an atheist call-in television show broadcasting here in Knoxville?
1: Did you know that? What? No, that's brand new information. It's It's true.
0: It's true. It's been broadcasting for almost seven years now, and uh, hardly anybody knows about it because I guess it's just on uh, community access TV, and uh, that's hard to... uh, Compete with the commercial uh, stations and Hulu and Netflix and all that, but be no sure one that,
1: knows about it. Right? No one knows about it because we're just that ahead of the time. It's That's just, it. It's a perfect it. time to get in on the cool trends uh-huh. that are happening. Right. And you
0: can you can listen to it at Comcast Channel 12. Watch watch the show on Comcast Channel um, 12 and um, there's another one, 192. I can't remember. Yeah, there it is, Charter 1, 192. Every Tuesday at 5 o'clock, uh, that's most Tuesdays, uh, that particular time slot gets preempted a good bit by the local government station, their uh, meetings, the beer board, that type of thing. But on most Tuesdays at 5 o'clock, you can listen to the Atheist Call and television show called Free Thought Forum. And we also have a, a fan who's been recording the shows and putting them on YouTube. You can find them. Uh, by going on YouTube and doing a search for three words, free thought Forum Knoxville. And that'll catch you up on the backlog. Uh, This is Call-In Radio Show, and you can reach us at 865-333-5937. That's 333-5937. And um, I'm getting a voicemail. Uh, River is running late, apparently. Uh, oh, cool. He's coming by. Yeah. I talked to you a little earlier about tonight's uh, subject. Do you want to lead off on it, or you want me to go for it, or what?
1: How about you introduce it right now, and then okay. I'll, I'll also lead in. Mm-hmm. Go for
0: it. Well, this basically uh, we're asking Christian callers specifically, or just general religious callers to call in the, and answer these questions. Uh, think about it. Why are you a Christian? Answer honestly. Think about it. Uh, what is your best argument for the existence of God now are the answers to one and two the same? If not, why not? And if I were to refute or disprove the argument for number two that is what is your best argument for God uh, would it then would you not then believe anymore and if not, why not? It's just cool to me. A lot of people who are going to church every Sunday had not given two cents worth of thought to what they believe and why. Um, I asked my boss why he believes it. He said, "Well, because of the empty grave and because uh, the Bible says it, and this, that, and the other." And I said, uh, "Were you?" Uh, actually, it wasn't my boss. It was a, it was another guy. Uh, anyway, he said, "Well, I said, were you born into your, into uh, Christianity? Did you, was your family a Christian a Christian family?" And he said, "Yeah." I said, don't you think that's really why you're a Christian? And he thought about it for a second and said, yeah, probably. But then I have all this other proof. And I said, okay, but think about that. You know, they just don't think about it. It's like, why is a Muslim a Muslim? Why is a Hindu a Hindu? 99.9% of the time is because they were born into the family that told them that all of that stuff is true. And generation sure. after generation just follows right on through without questioning. One of the things I like sure. to put on our, our ASK Let cards me. is uh, science has answered questions that may never be answered, but religion has answers that may never be questioned, and that's what we're trying to get uh, the audience to do is just question those a little bit the, the pat answers of the religion. I'm sorry.
2: So go ahead. if
1: I can summarize, your, if I can summarize, what is your questioning? Then mm-hmm. you're basically asking uh, for Christians, uh, why are you a Christian? And then they give an answer. And then wow. most of the time it will lead to why they believe in a God. And then you'll ask them, what's your best proof for being a God? And the setup is, or at least the strategy on your part, or uh, behind the, the, the question that you're providing is, that if they give a different reasoning for why they believe in a God versus what's the best proof of the God, if those two questions are different, then ask them why it's different, and you're giving them an opportunity for or to ruminate over why their best proof of God is also different from the reason why they believe in right, that God.
0: Right. Right. And it, it's something because
1: many, normally they should be the same thing.
0: Right. So true. And ruminate is the, the whole reason why we're bringing this up in the first place. We want them to get them. We want to get them to think a little bit. Uh, just go through it, and also at the same time think about why other people are the religions that they are. Uh, they of course will say that it's because that, uh, Muhammad, you know, uh, was the prophet who told everybody the correct information. And the Hindus will talk about their gods and their prophets. Uh, it just it has to come to a, a, a head sometime when you we actually think no, it's <laughs> really because they were just born into it that they ha- I think it's haven't good- given it much thought.
1: I think it's a good question to ask maybe in the process of a different kind of approach. I wouldn't ask that as my first question when trying to talk to new people about why they believe in God, only in the sense that it assumes that they're not going to give me a personal revelation. And, and the reason why I bring this up is I'm, I'm following this Facebook group. It's called Street Epistemology. Uh-huh. What it is is a group of people who are learning how to better approach people so that they don't get defensive when talking about religion most of the time. And you start from a very friendly manner. You approach them, and you, and you basically give them the proposition of, hey, you can talk to me about, let's let's have a brief discussion about anything you really want, or particularly a belief, that's kind of fun. But uh-huh. <coughs> so you leave the door open if they want to talk about religion or not talk about religion. And when they accept the talk about religion, then you're free to talk about, like, you know, why do you think about it? Basically, you're employing a Socratic method to get them into questioning What's their best mechanic or the best proof for believing in God? And it's possible. Why is it different, that belief that they have in God, different from their best argument for why that God exists?
2: Right,
1: right. And At best, what you're trying to do is just instill some level of doubt if they express that they have 100% confidence that that God exists. Because generally, you never ever want to be 100% confident in anything. Even if you're 100% confident that that God does not exist, you want to question that. You want to have room for doubt so that somewhere the question is non-zero or non-100. You want to be somewhere in the middle because there's value in doubt. There's value in questioning. There and are. there's value in skepticism.
0: Yes, definitely. The only thing that I've ever found that I, I could agree with 100% is, uh, uh, who was it, said, I think, therefore, I am. That's a good one. I like that. That was Who was that? Uh, Descartes. Descartes, right. Rene Descartes. He, Yep. He, he started with a very solid platform, and then made some very illogical leaps from there. He, a lot of people say he got that right, but nothing else. But I do agree that uh, you know I'm a thinking being; therefore, I do exist in some format or another. And I think that reality is about as real as you can get. But I, I'm only really going at it at as at a pragmatist because I have to deal with the reality that I'm presented with. Now, if you're sure. if you're being presented an invisible invisible reality, like you have an invisible person watching you all the time, you have an invisible person that is answering your thoughts, who can read your mind, you know that type of thing. You should ask for more evidence. You should not just take that kind of thing on uh, on their word, especially if they're asking for your hard-earned money, your your hours, your time away from your family. Um, or, and damning you to hell if you don't think about it um, I mean if you don't uh, if you don't uh, do what they say
1: or believe what they say to believe I so if, if I were to give an opinion I think I have some things that I believe in 100 percent as well uh huh uh, some of them would be like the logical absolutes. I think, I think therefore I am is a pretty simple extension of that. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. logical absolutes are essentially just saying like, hey, if I, if this fan that's on my desk is this fan that's on my desk. It's a really, really, really simple statement that doesn't involve any more information to prove or disprove. And it's, it's, it's true within itself. But the things are, the things that I'm generally 100% confident about, generally don't have a significant or fundamental impact in my life until right. I apply them to other things. Mm-hmm. And then when I start doing that, when I start taking things in context, my level of confidence needs to drop a little bit because I'm spreading up this this core, fundamental, absolutely true principle to things that are basically based on my observations and my impressions in the world around me. And as a function, they can't be taken as 100% truce anymore after that. But I would say let's get back to street epistemology. Let's get back to how to approach people. The question of, you know, why do you believe in a god, and then what's your best argument for why that god exists, is pretty good. I I, I mean I, I feel like it's a good, only in the sense that once you get uh, a good rapport with a person or a good rapport with a believer, yeah. uh, it's it could be a good track to go down or a good strategy to go down to show them that they're open to it, mm-hmm. uh, questioning why they believe in that God. But what would you do in the scenario where if they say, hey, uh, I believe in God because, you know, back when I was six, there was an event that I couldn't, that happened to me that was so miraculous to the degree that I couldn't have any better explanation other than God did it. And then you ask them, what's your best proof for God? They'll give you that same story. Mm-hmm. It's still a personal yeah, revelation but, that they'll give well, you. Well, I, I would
0: point out that if they didn't actually communicate with the being, if, they, if it didn't actually talk to them, and they just thought it was a mar- miraculous thing that happened, and therefore they're believing in God, well there's several ways to approach that Um, David Hume says there's no such things as miracles miracles meaning something that goes against the laws of nature if it was extremely improbable then it's extremely improbable but but extremely improbable things happen all the time Um, you can't really use that now the thing about it is they make incredible leaps of logic when you're talking to Christians about this or pretty much any religion of course that not only do they think that it was since it was improbable and it happened anyway it must have been God leap, mm-hmm. they leap to their particular God they don't think that it was oh it, was, it had to have been a God so therefore it was Zeus or therefore it was Jupiter or Ra or anything else and, and they really have absolutely no basis for making that, that leap uh, they've got all their work of, ahead of them trying to justify that a God is their God and eliminating all the others
1: Sure. I mean, I can I totally understand that there's definitely issues with them if they believe in miracles Mm -hmm. or if they have tangible evidence or barely tangible evidence at best in the belief of that God. But the goal of the conversation, or at least the goal of the questioning that you're having, is for them to have doubt about the belief system that they're holding 100%. Maybe it's not in that conversation to completely change their mind, but at least give them some sort of, like, idea that they're standing on shaky ground by shaking the ground for them and saying, hey, sure. you know, this this foundation that you think is solid isn't so solid. And I'm trying to do you a favor, like at best. Yeah. So if they give you a personal revelation and your response to that is, hey, by the way, miracles don't actually exist, mm-hmm. they, it, it takes the argument away from why they believe in that God yeah. and their foundation for why they believe in it is shaky to Hey let's argue about miracles for a second. Well I saw XYZ. I saw my mom fly. I saw my uh coworkers heal a disease. From a, like that's they'll go into this uh tangent of things that you they can constantly bring up examples of things that are not really verifiable and then you having to one by one tackle them but you're not getting to the fundamental issue that the the idea that they have that's supporting these beliefs. Is inherently not as uh, substantiated as you would like to have in a reality that we share. So, I would focus, or I mean, I would use the route of, hey, uh, do you believe in a god? What's your best proof of that god? As I I would, I would, I would, I would refrain from using that kind of strategy until I have an idea that they aren't going to move towards a personal revelation story. mm -hmm. What do you think? I don't know. It, that kind
0: of thinking is new to me i, I would rather uh, just point out the flaw in their thinking uh like when mm. they when they first come to the saying say, i can't imagine anything else but a god doing this well i have you have to hone in on that i can't imagine anything else well that's that's a f- uh, a weakness in their their thought process uh, a lack of imagination uh, but the thing about it is it's it's a logical fallacy called uh the argument from ignorance. Argument from ignorance. Yeah. I right. can't think of why there's no argument for jumping to God. Okay, well, let's say that uh, you uh, played dice and you won consistently uh, at, a, at a particular table. You know, I can't see why I would win uh, consistently. I was the only person there winning consistently. Um, and then uh, and you say, well, it had to have been God. And of course, it had to have been your God. But the truth could be that, that the uh, the croupier, the table runner, was a girl and she thought you were cute. <laughs> and she was she was <laughs> running the table for you. But you know, that's an argument for ignorance. He just could not think of something like
1: that, therefore he jumped to a guy. So so first of all, I completely agree with you that someone who's using a logical fallacy to arrive to a conclusion is in a fallible position or is in a position that's not good. They are doing something clearly wrong, at least from a logical perspective. And if you're trying to prove something with logic, and you can't use logic, that right. sucks. You're automatically fighting against, you're fighting your way into mm-hmm. a corner. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, when you're talking to someone, like, and this is personally if you're doing something on a one-on-one basis, you, pointing out logical arguments isn't particularly effective way of getting them to to hear the context of what you're trying to say, to relate with you as a person and understand that they've made a mistake. In fact, they'll probably just make it more defensive if you just mm-hmm. try to say, hey, that's an argument from ignorance. This is where your logical fallacy is. It'll do great on a debate stage with uh-huh. a big audience, of people watching. Yeah. But if you're trying to one-on-one talk to like a Christian or a believer, and you're saying, "Hey, what do you believe and why do you believe it?" and they say, "Well, I can't see any other reason for why this can't be true," and your your best your best way forward, instead of pointing out a logical fallacy, uh, personally, what I've tried to do is bring up an analogy. Uh, saying, well, hey, I I talk like this with a lot of different people. I recently had a conversation with some person who was a Hindu who believed in Vishnu, and I asked him, hey, I don't understand how you can substantiate, you know, any of these things that you're saying by saying your god Vishnu did it. And he says, well, I don't see any other reason for why Vishnu, or, or other than Vishnu did it. Yeah. And now you're telling me I don't see any other reason why, unless if it's Jesus. And I'm just asking as a third party who's just like watching both of you guys while that person who believes in Vishnu has every right, and I think we agree that he can worship whoever God he wants, I can't find a difference between you saying, I can't see any other reason that Jesus did it, or him saying, I can't see any other reason that Vishnu did it. What could you say to him that I couldn't say right back to you? And then now you're putting him, or you're putting the person that you're talking to in the position of trying to find out why someone can't say Vishnu did it out of an argument of ignorance, because he would more or less be in that same position too. And... It puts you, it puts you both on the on the side of
2: let's figure out. out
1: what the problem is, yeah. rather than you are the problem and your thinking is the problem and here's mm-hmm. all the answers that I know I know all the logical fallacies it puts you both on the same side of an argument and the problem that you're both trying to solve. And yeah. I think that's the real focus of when the you're book. approaching someone with uh, a epistemolo- epistemological moment. Yeah,
0: now, you're 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 uh, talking about a particular method that Peter Bogosian. Wrote a book about it exactly, yeah. And, and that's called uh, what is it? How to create an atheist or something
1: like, that. <laughs> something like that. I wish I knew the title of that book. Let's just say that's what it is, and we can fact <laughs> check later. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a really, really great book. Not only that, but you can see it in practice to actually great effect on video uh, on, on YouTube. There's several accounts. Uh, some of my favorite are uh, Cordial Curiosity. Uh, It's basically a guy sitting in a park with a sign that says uh, I've got five minutes for an interview. And he'll literally interview anyone. And sometimes it's about religion. Sometimes it's not religious at all. Sometimes it's about, like, how the economy works. Or we even had a guy who was black who thought that literally every white person in the world was an evil uh, nationalist of Uh, some sort. And basically, yeah. And it was just, it was really interesting to see the patience being exhibited by the interviewer. Because I didn't believe that. He didn't believe it. But he was willing to at least let the guy express himself. Yeah. And then after he got a full expression out, ask a very simple, fundamental question that made the guy completely reconsider his point of view. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of power behind listening to a person, finding the right question to ask, and then and then just presenting it to him, And then not putting them on the hot seat, but really just hey, I have also a problem with this line of thinking, could you help me out with it? Yeah. And genuinely invite the person into thinking about their own mental process well, with that, you at the table. Yeah, it's, it's really
0: beautiful. No, I think it's a great idea, and I think it's a good um, method. I just don't have much practice in it. I, I guess I could try to practice more. And, of course, when you practice something, you, uh, you're, you make a lot of mistakes at it, and I guess I'm afraid to make mistakes up front. But worth a try. Sure. I think it's a great uh, thing to do, and I think it's a good approach. So, you... uh, one of the things <laughs> that Peter Bogosian said in his books that I don't really, I don't really go along with is that we should start the conversation. Uh, he, uh, he says that if you're sitting on a plane and you and nobody has said anything about religion, you should turn to the person next to you and talk about religion. And I, oh, my gosh. I, I don't foresee, that. Yeah, that would be a terrible plane I flight. I don't foresee <laughs> that, I, that I would be doing that. However, if somebody is sitting okay. next to me and wants to bring it up, and I certainly will talk to him about it. I'm not yeah. going to be shy, yeah. or I'm not going to sit down and shut up and let him assume I'm a Christian. Uh, when when I have every right to uh, express my own views as as much as they do. However, I won't I will not bring up the topic.
1: So I so I will also follow you on that. I normally would prefer not to bring up the topic. However, if I go to like for example a meetup group of people who want to discuss religion or philosophy or spirituality or something uh-huh. like that, I will be happy to bring it up in a philosophical, spiritual, or religious context, whatever the environment I'm in. Though so I have told, I have had the experience before, and this was even with atheists, and I told you about this before. I went to, uh, atheist meetup first time in Lexington. I met the, uh, the Lexington atheists, And, uh, when I was at the meeting, I didn't, I wasn't really aware of how to exercise street epistemology. I just knew, I saw people on YouTube do it, so I knew, like, the, the, the basic phrases to say, or uh-huh. like the basic catches yeah. to get people in. It was pretty similar to what was presented at the beginning of the conversation, of like, wait, what's your God? Uh, why do you believe it? What's your best proof for it? These two things are different. Why? Why is that case? Don't you see that the problem? Or my my case was, um, I asked people, hey, do you, you guys don't believe in a god, like what's your confidence level? And a lot of people would say, I am 100% confident there's no god. Uh-huh. So I'm like, okay, that's something I want to break apart. I want to break that down. And uh-huh. then like one by one, I'm going to I'm talking to these people, and one by one, I'm saying, hey, 100% is not good for X, y, y. And Y, Z. They're like, oh, okay. And then they get kind of quiet. And I get to talk to the next person, like, hey, why do you do that? They say, I'm 100% confident. Talk to them and then show them that 100% is actually wrong, then they're quiet. And then eventually, like, I can tell I wasn't making as many connections with, uh people I wanted to, even though I was right, even though I felt confident that I was right, at least. I wasn't making the human connection necessary. Right. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, you know, three parts of every means of persuasion involves you know like your you need to connect with someone on a uh, on a personal level mm-hmm. more than just only logic and moral levels as well like i was behaving morally i was behaving ethically i was behaving uh, logically but i wasn't connecting to them on a passion or empathy level right. and because of that i was turning everyone off yeah. so there is a strategy behind getting people to persuade them especially when I'm deeply held fundamental beliefs yeah Excuse
0: me. There was a lady that showed up at a ASK meeting, and she was a Wiccan. And we don't we don't get many Wiccans. Uh, We get a lot more evangelicals and and Baptist preachers, whatever that want to show up and and convert the atheists. Uh, So when she started talking about her beliefs, I I, I basically nodded and said, "Okay, that's cool. You know, I didn't know that. You know, I'm learning a lot, that type of thing." If I had just told her, you know, everything I I thought everything she believed in was was crazy, uh, I wouldn't have seen her again, and that would have been the end of that. Now, I thought that there was a pretty good chance of that anyway, uh, because how many times is Wiccan going to come to an atheist meeting and then keep coming back? Uh, And I have not seen her again, but at least uh, we did not get into a fight, we didn't uh, bash each other. Uh, She had nothing bad to say about atheism, she was just happy to talk about Wiccan. And I was happy to listen to it. Uh, If she'd kept coming and and started trying to convert us or uh, bashing atheism or something, we might have had had to have a conversation. But, you know, if if they don't push their beliefs on other people if they just explain what they believe if they don't have a dogma that they try to uh, legislate into our schools you know i have a very wide range of allowance <laughs> for beliefs uh, and it's the dogma and the the possibility of hurting children with that dogma that uh, that bothers me and i i have no so, bo- no go ahead sorry
1: oh I, just a side question before we reach the bottom of the half of the hour, yeah. but um, if she came to you not so much as a, a, a claimed atheist, maybe she had some beliefs in like pagan, paganistic gods or uh-huh. like some spiritual gods, right? But came to you as, hey, you guys clearly don't have a god that you support, so I feel like you're a blank slate that I feel like I can at least express myself freely to because uh-huh. if I would talk to a bunch of Christians, it would immediately judge me and tell me, hey. Don't talk about that here. We believe in something different. Let me go to a group that doesn't have any strict dogmatic beliefs regarding yeah. gods, yeah. and then I can hopefully just find some friends to talk to. I think that's totally fine. Yeah, yeah.
0: If, was um, that we, we have D.S. That's what
1: you, you got from it? Yeah, we have
0: deists. Um, we're an atheist group, but we have DS members. Uh, it, it, to sure. me, it's the same. Right. You know, you've got... You've got some pretty good arguments that there may be a God out there. You know, the fine-tuning mm. argument and the complexity argument. And, you know, one after another that there might be a God. Okay, fine. But you can't, in my estimation, you can't get from that generic God to any one of the gods of religion because they're so self-contradictory. Like if, for instance, if God, the, if Yahweh was omniscient, then he would know everything that everybody was going to do ever And they would have no free will. And if he was really Mm -hmm. omniscient, he would know everything that he was going to do, and he would have no free will. So, I mean, it's self-contradiction. They cannot exist, uh, those particular gods. But a generic, deistic type of god, nobody knows where the universe came from. It could be an alien race. It could be an advanced race. We could all live in in a simulation created by some alien programmer. We don't know. But... You know, to, I'm not going to blast somebody for believing in a generic God with no rules, you know. Ah, uh, uh, you know?
1: I see. Okay, okay, okay. I get it
0: now. Yeah. We've actually if came had deists on the... our TV show.
1: I have some weak beliefs in God. That. I'm not like 100% convinced it's anything in the holy book. It's kind of just, like a personal relationship yeah. thing. Or um, it's part of like a Wiccan kind of a thing. But or like, even you know, we can evolve our own yeah. holy books like we yeah. can pen our own holy books in. Oh, yeah, like and so, uh,
0: some people call the universe god, you know, it
1: doesn't have a will, sure. it's
0: just there. Fine.
1: Okay. That's fine, but don't like try to convince us yet until you have some good arguments. Yeah. We'd don't, love
0: to hear those good arguments. Right. Don't try to tell me that the universe wants me to tithe 10%, get up on Sunday and and go to church. Uh, or I'll burn in, in the universe as hell forever in the afterlife. You know, forget <laughs> it. Um, this yeah. is the bottom of the hour. I guess I should go on into the break. Uh, we're, sure. we're broadcasting live on WOZO Radio, 103.9 LP FM, right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. We're going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, we've got a song by Annie DeFranco that we're going to play. It's called, What If No One's Watching?, Now we'll be back in just a minute. About, well, about four minutes. When we come back,
1: let's talk about approaches and how to make good approaches this time. Works for me. See you in a little bit. Cool.
3: for everything I know. You don't have to agree with me, but once you get me going, you let me go. I mean, we have to be able to criticize what we love, say what we have to say. Oh, you're not trying to make something better. But I can't tell you why just Watching, What if when we're dead We are just dead I mean what What if it's just us down here What if God is just an idea Someone put in your head? I mean what What if no one's watching What if no one's watching I mean what What if no one's watching What if no one's watching oh, my life were a movie There would be And the camera would pan away, but the sky is just a little sister tagging along behind the buildings, trying to imitate their brain. What What if no one's watching? What if no one's watching? What if no one's watching? What if no one's watching?
1: Listening to the Digital Free Thought Radio Hour on Wozo 103.9 LPFM in Knoxville, Tennessee. Feel free to join in on the conversation at 865 333 5937. That's 865 333 5937. And now, back to the show. Digital Free Thought Radio Hour. Simply the best.
0: And we're back. Uh, This is Digital Freethought Radio Hour on Doubter 5. We have Wombat on the line. Hello, Wombat.
1: Hey, I'm Wombat.
0: And uh, we're going to talk just a little bit about the groups here in Knoxville, uh, the Freethought and Atheist groups that you can join and and contact uh, to have a discussion on whatever subject you like. No no topic is taboo, and we'll hope you'll join us. First, the Atheist Society of Knoxville, founded in 2002, is now over 670 members. You can find it online at knoxvilleatheist.org. You can join them at their meetup at Flats and Taps, which is near Westtown Mall. They meet for food, uh, for happy hour, food, drink, and conversation. Everyone is welcome, as long as you don't come to preach, proselytize, provoke, or punch. Thanks, Matt Delonte. Then there's the Rationalists of East Tennessee. They've been around for about 20 years. Our ET is bi-weekly presentations and discussions at the Pellissippi State campus near Hardin Valley Road. They meet the first and third Sundays in the Goins Administration building cafeteria annex. And if that's a little confusing, just follow the signs or go to their website, rationalists.org, and click on directions for the month, uh, monthly assembly. There's also a Sunday assembly, which started in England a couple years ago and is spread around the world. It is a no God church setting for those who have had enough of religion but still like the fellowship of a church type gathering. Uh, they meet at the International Building downtown in near the fairgrounds uh, the fourth Sunday of every month. That's just one month out of one Sunday out of the month. There's also the Freedom from Religion Foundation, those nice people in Madison, Wisconsin. Um, who protect our church date separation. We have a local chapter now. They meet every third Wednesday uh, of the month at the Earth Fair Turkey Creek. Uh, They um, meet at 7 o'clock, and you're more than welcome to attend. There's also a secular student alliance, which has programs to give camaraderie and community to any free-thinking high school or or college student. Uh, who would like to be involved in the Free Thought Movement or just find secular companionship in the Bible Belt. Uh, Go online, Google Secular Student Alliance, or go on Facebook and and, uh, type in Secular Student Alliance. You might find that you have a local club near you. If you have a community event and would like to make a public announcement uh, on WOZO Radio, just create an MP3 to reflect that event and contact us via our website which is w-o-z-o-radio.com, to arrange for it to be played in our normal rotation. And getting back to our discussion, um, we're going to talk about uh, the approach, is that right, that we should yes,
2: take?
1: Yes, good approaches. Okay. So at the beginning of the talk, we had, a comp- uh, 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 we had a question that you can propose to Christians, which is basically, and anyone else who's listening in, ask this to yourself. You know, why do you believe in the God that you believe in if you do believe in a God? Why do you believe in that God? And then, secondly, ask yourself, what's your best evidence for that God? And if your answers for both of those questions are different, from why you believe in that God to what's your best evidence for that God, Mm -hmm. ask yourself why those questions are different. The only instance where I could see this question line of question that's what we would call a line of questioning. It's not normally the best approach, though, but it could be a good way to get people to consider their beliefs. And what do I mean by a good approach, then? So, like, how do you know when to use that line of questioning? So uh, the best way to know how to do that is get that information or get a feel of the person you're interviewing after you approach them, establish some sort of rapport, and then show a genuine interest in their thinking. Um, I I wouldn't normally start with, like, two questions and then, like, a, a catch question. Instead, I would normally, if I don't know the person, say it's just a person that I met on the airport who's talking to me about their beliefs, and I feel like I'm invited to like express my religion or like or my religious beliefs or lack of thereof. Uh-huh. Um, I could approach the conversation by you know introducing myself. Hey, like hi, hey. cool. That's really cool. Like, what was your daughter's name? Oh, by the way, my name's Tyrone. It's really good to talk to you. And then now there's a report. Talk to them a little bit. It doesn't necessarily always have to be about strictly formal, hey, my name is this, I work here, Wait, where do you work, what's your name? You can just have like a casual conversation. And then after that, you don't even need to continue with the strict introductions. You can talk about any random thing you want, oh, sure. but knowing the back of your head that you can get back to religion. But just start like a comfortable report. By doing that, you get them not to be so defensive, but you also get a, um, a benchmark for how they look and how they act and how they behave when they're comfortable with you, because body language is a big part of it. Now, when you go back to your religious beliefs, if you see them lean back, if you see them cross their arms, if you see them start like their, their, their voice starts to shake or if they start to be nervous switches, then you know when to back up because you're clearly making them uncomfortable. And the goal isn't to make them uncomfortable. The goal is to make them reconsider their beliefs. Only in the sense of them making, just giving them pause for a moment to reconsider their beliefs. Not even to change their mind, but just put some thought in an area that, does it, that doesn't get a lot of thought in their life. Right. Give them the opportunity to have that. And that's the gift that you can provide through street epistemology or through just talking to someone about their religious beliefs at all, through that approach. yeah, I would say establish your rapport, get a good feel for how they feel when they're comfortable, then introduce your questions. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be the one that we started off with. I would say that as the puncher. I think that's a really good... Like one two punch to be at the end of the conversation, give like a like a pregnant pause and move on. Mm-hmm. But I would normally start with like, "Hey, so like, how confident are you in the existence of this God?" Or like, "Where? Why do you think? You, how do you how do you think you've come to this belief?" Um, right. If you ask, I mm-hmm. like I like how do you how to come to that belief? Normally, what you get is people say, "Well, my whole family believes it," and blah 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 blah, and then you can talk about their family. But in the back of their head they're already starting to consider the answers because most people don't really have a very strong answer for why I came to my belief. Sure. Even if it's a miracle, they'll have, like, well, you know, there was this weird thing that happened when I was driving in a car, but it's not that big of a deal. But, like, I don't know. I felt like I I was being saved when I was driving in the car. I know that kind of sounds weird. Just expressing that out loud to someone who they don't know Mm -hmm. just gives them a chance to, like, reconsider that. Or if they say, hey, my whole family believes it, and then there's like a pause, and they think to themselves, well, but there's more reasons than that, but I don't know. Like, maybe my whole family was Christian, and now maybe I'm just a Christian. I don't know. I didn't really think about it that much. That's good things to feed off of. Yeah. And it starts to just inspire a good rapport where you generally care about what their storyline is and how they got there. Mm-hmm. And then if you feel like they're not the kind of person that leads or leans on personal revelation as part of why they believe or like a very personal story, a conservative answer for a lot of things, especially for why they believe in that God, as well as the best proof of that God, then you can throw out that, that question. Like, so, why do you believe in this God? Can you give me examples? Mm-hmm. And then I'll ask them later on, like, so what's your best evidence for, like, this God existing? And if they give a different answer from there, then follow up with the third questions Like, yeah. well, why are those who ask questions different? Because you would think your best evidence would be the reason why you believe in God, right? right. And then... If if they genuinely do care about why, if their beliefs are true, you can establish that question ahead of time. Do you care if your beliefs are true? If they answer yes to that, give them time to consider why those questions are different. Don't just, like, force them into a, uh, a corner where it shows that their beliefs are wrong. Don't try to point out a flaw in their thinking. Just give them a chance to, like, arrive to their own conclusion. And then whatever conclusion they give you, you can go from there. And it doesn't have to be a long conversation. It can even end there because at that point, they're going to be thinking about the conversation you had with them for days afterwards. I can almost guarantee it. You put a pebble in their shoe, right. and they're going to constantly have that conversation. So they'll remember you, they'll remember the responses you'll give, and then they may even wish for the opportunity to see you again just so they can refine their questions or logic. Thinking right. that if, if
0: they bother to think, and that's a problem. They will. Right? They like, will. Like it's a, it's a good was,
1: procedure. I was looking
0: for a place for our meetup group uh, to uh, gather at about 10 years ago. And uh, I went into this particular bar, and I asked him, I said, uh, you know, we have a group that gets together every Tuesday. It's the Atheist Society of Knoxville. Um, would this be a good place for us to get together on Tuesday nights or whatever? He said, um, sure, I think it will be fine. Uh, we don't have a problem with that. And uh, he says, I believe in God. And I said, oh, okay, why? He says, oh, well, um, he, and he said, I asked for a sign, and one day... Uh, I got all kinds of sevens. I got sevens on my paycheck. I got sevens, you know, in emails. I got sevens in letters that I got. I got sevens all over the place, and, and, you know, I knew that was God's sign. And I looked at him, and I said, well, you can understand why I wouldn't consider that a good sign, being an atheist, you know, that God exists. And he said, yeah. So I have to think that he may have thought about that conversation several times afterwards. Now, however, the, the other side of that coin is... Uh, I was working on a a bunch of videos, a a series of videos, back in uh, about 10 years ago, I guess, about the same time. And uh, I had the audio ready, but I hadn't worked up the video to go with it, you know, slideshows and things. And I had it on a CD, and I'd I'd known a friend that I'd meet for lunch occasionally at a buffet nearby work. And I knew he was a Christian. He knew I was an atheist. And I took it to him. I said, here, here's a CD uh, of my audio that I'm going to put some video with. Uh, tell me what you think of it. And you know what he did? What well, he did? I saw him about a month later at the at the thing. He says, oh, i got your DVD in the car, your CD in the car. I'll go get it. I said, okay. He came back with it, gave it to me. I said, what would you think of it? He says, oh, I didn't listen to it. I gave it to my preacher and asked him what I should think. <laughs> I mean, he, he obviously funny. did not want to think about it. And that's what we're trying to get our listeners to do today. Think about
1: it just a little
0: bit. Consider your beliefs. It's a very
1: uncomfortable thing to think about, though. It's a very uncomfortable thing. So what you're trying to do is, at least in the approach, when you're talking to someone about their belief systems, try to get them to be as comfortable as possible, as comfortable as you possibly can, because you're going to get them to a point where they're not going to be comfortable, but you don't want to trigger that by just the conversation. What you want to... What you want them to be uncomfortable about is the idea that you're instilling in them that they can't get rid of by not talking to you or by not listening to your DVD or by walking away from the conversation or by kicking you out of a meetup group. You want to have an idea in their head that it's going to stick with them that they can't get rid of until they give it some serious thought. And mm-hmm. that's going to be uncomfortable for them. But you don't yeah. want the conversation to be uncomfortable. You're instil- you're doing exactly what I said in in the sense of you're putting a, uh, a pebble in someone's shoe. Uh-huh. And what I mean by that is you're giving them something where they're, every step they take, every time they go somewhere, every time they stand up, any time they move, any position they, stay- they take, they're going to constantly feel the conversation that you had with them. And that's the reminder that you want to, to provide, but you don't want to be so obtrusive that or offensive that you don't they don't want to deal with you on a personal level. So they'll get I rid see of the why. So, <laughs>
2: they'll get sure, rid of I could. <laughs>
1: but they have to go through the motions of getting rid of the pebble. And if it's a good pebble, it'll be one of those ones where they have to, like, take it out with their fingers, feel mm-hmm. the texture of it, yeah. and then ask themselves, like, oh, my gosh, what the hell did they put in my shoe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, I've got to get rid of this thing. But mm-hmm. through that process, that's the thought process you want them to have. And hopefully when they get their shoes back on, they're a bit better. Listen, I'll tell you this. If I go through a whole street of or epistemology session with the person, and they leave that conversation more confident in their God and more willing to get good evidence for the reasons why they believe in that God, Mm -hmm. I am totally fine. That's still a net win, because all I'm trying to make them do or ask them to do is have skepticism in their beliefs and not go for the low-hanging fruit or the bad logic that exists to support their God. If Mm -hmm. If they say, listen... I believe in a God. I'm going to figure out why I believe in this God, and I'm going to get better reasons, and I'm going to come right. back to you. And maybe yeah. one day I'll convince you, and you'll be a Christian too. Or I'm totally won't. for that answer.
0: Yeah, and they won't let their preacher do their thinking for them; they'll actually think exactly. Of themselves.
1: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but some people are dogmatically closed to listening to other people, and that's just what reality you're going to have to face. True. Um, I would say this: I have had a conversation with a lady who I asked, "Hey, why do you believe in a God?" She said, or why, where, what do you believe in? Or why do you believe it? And she basically said her whole family's been Christian, but she herself was gay, and she wanted to have a deeper relationship with this God because she doesn't feel like most people understand that her God is total, who's the Christian God is completely fine with gay people. It took her a while for her to realize that, and so I'm asking her just like, well, you know, like tell me some reasons, show me some reasons for, like your best evidence for why this God exists. I think I actually something along like those lines. And she told me, like, hey, there was this time where I needed to get a car. And then after going to the second car place, she found a car she could buy. And there was a time where she needed the job. And then after applying for a week, she got a call yeah. and she got a job. And after praying. What? Right. Right.
0: After praying. So I what? told her
1: honestly. Right. I told her honestly. You know, I, ha- I have asked this question a lot to a lot of different people. I have a friend who's a Muslim. And I, um, I was saying to her, why do you believe in Allah? And she says, "Well, you know, that was kind of where I needed a car, or her family did need a car. She got in a, a car wreck. She caused the wreck, actually. I shouldn't have say that on the radio. <laughs> she won't be listening though. But she caused a car wreck, and uh, she needed to get a car. And after going to a couple places, she found a car that was an affordable way for her to get. And that was proof to her that Allah existed. And I asked the lady that I was talking to, who was gay, who was a great believer in uh, Jesus Christ, would that her story of her getting a car." show more proof or convince you that a lot exists if she says she got a car because of a lot. And I think she said along the lines of, no, well, that doesn't count. Uh, I got better answers than that. Like, already in her head, she's already de- refuting what she said and is willing to give me a better excuse. Yeah. But that's the thought process. That, that's all you're trying to get. You're not trying to corner them into <clears until, throat> like, this is wrong because of X, Y, Z. You're just trying to say hey, don't you see this is a bad reason for having something that you think is really important to believe in?
0: Or? Right. Now, one okay. thing that, that always gets me is uh, you'll talk about them, and talk about that, talk about Muslims and, and them praying and, and getting what they want, and then the, the Christian will sometimes come back and say, well, they're worshiping God their way. You know, like it's all the same God. You know, it's just, you know, they're, they're kind of like touchy-feely uh Sure. You know, they want everybody to get along no matter what their religion are. But then you turn around and ask them, you know, the next sentence you say, Well are they going to heaven? And they say, No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> everybody yeah. goes to somebody yeah. else's hell. That's right. Uh, uh some other religion's uh, hell, yeah. So, you know, that's a funny thing. I wouldn't know how to deal with that. So, I got to be honest with you. I don't know every answer or every response to street epistemology. It's very much a, there's way more people, there's people way more skilled than I in that. But if someone told me, like, you know, it's all the same God, clearly there's differences in how people reflect their worship in the real world. Like, there's clearly people who are, like, at the West Barrow Baptist Church who are holding signs saying, you know, all gay people are going to hell and we should stop, we should burn down abortion clinics, etc. And then there are people who also say they're Christian, who are marching with us down the street at the gay pride rally at the end of Orlando. Uh And clearly there's a difference. Clearly one God wants something, and the other God wants something else. So I don't know if it's the same God, and you guys are all responding to that God differently, and if that's the case, which of you guys are right. right. Or if there's multiple gods, and you guys all have different points of view, how is a person who's... Objectively outside of that circle, is supposed to make an assessment. Certainly, who's right and who's wrong, right. and like, what tools uh, are you using to figure that out? It's like
0: the abomination of uh, homosexuality versus the abomination of eating shellfish. Well, eating shellfish is okay. You just can't be gay. You know, it's like pick and choose from your uh, your Old Testament salad there. Um, right. Or wearing mixed um, uh, mixed uh, cloth or threads or planting mixed. Uh, plants in, the, in, the, in your garden. You can't do that. Those are abominations. But, of course, Christians sure. look the other way when reading about that. They just don't like homosexuality, so they pick that out of the Bible and say, that's one that we really need to pay attention to. Of course, it's really the preachers just trying to pick an enemy so that they could uh, unify their, their flock against them and get money from them.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a uh, corrupt situation. I think I think what's good though is instead of patently telling someone that they're wrong or that this organization is corrupt or that there's people who say they worship in the, in, in the same God but do so in a bad way and people can say, oh, well, they're just false worshipers or mm-hmm. etc. or they're not true Christians. What I like to do is set up the conversation with a premise or like with an analogy ahead of time when I have the opportunity to establish a report with someone. If they ever like, if they ever get to the belief of like, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe in like, I believe in this, and it's just the best things in the world and I can't take it any other way, I, I like to sneak in before. I immediately let them know that I'm an atheist before I even if I ever use that word because uh-huh. uh, it's very heated it's very heated label. But I like to say, hey, the way how I think about it is like if I flip a coin and I catch it and I put it on the back of my hand, my my hands covering my other hands covering it. I don't know if it landed heads or tails. Do you know if it landed heads or tails? And every single time they say no, which is great because that a super, just solves everything. A superposition. <laughs> right, and so <laughs> <laughs> so I say, hey, I don't know if it's heads or tails. You don't know if it's heads or tails. We're in a position where we don't know. We can trust, we can try to trust science to tell us what, if it's heads or tails, but at best they can flip a thousand coins and say it's 50-50. And that's all science can ever say. And they're like, yeah, that's right. That's all science can ever say. And we're like, yeah, okay, great, great, great. We both agree that science can't come to a conclusion on this. So like if someone came in through the door and says, hey, listen, I have a deep and personal, or what else, or before I say that, I'll just say, so like in that state, saying I don't know is the right answer because science can't tell you what it is. And I don't know what it is, and you don't know what it is. So it's not only just an option, but it's the best answer. And they'll agree. They'll say 100% most of the, the times, they will agree to that. And they're yeah. at an instance where they disagree. Uh-huh. But then what I'll do is I'll take their excuse for why they believe in a God and say, for example, if they said they have a deep and personal relationship with God, I'll say, so I have this quarter, and neither of us know if it's, I don't, it's, it's heads or tails. We both agree that we don't know. But if some guy came into the door and says, listen, I want to tell you I have a deep and personal relationship with coins that are heads up, and they've moved my life, and there's no way in the world this this tree outside can exist unless, if that quarter is a heads up. I will, or it gives me a deep and personal satisfaction to believe that there is, in fact, a coin that's heads up underneath hand. I could say, hey, that's all good news for you, but it doesn't convince me that this coin might be heads. It might actually be heads, but I'm not convinced that, from what you told me, that that might be the case. And that doesn't necessarily mean I think it's tails, My position Mm -hmm. is still, I don't know. And that's still the best answer until you come up with better evidence. And then I'll tell that to them. And, like, most of the time, they'll just be like, well, you know. Or, (laughs) right, it's a great way of just diffusing a very, very deeply held conviction of why they think something's true by showing them. Your perspective in a way where they most of the time necessarily have to be with you. Yeah, the, um, um,
0: the better example I think is that the, the deeply held personal, uh, personal held view that uh, the, their God is the right God is uh, the 9/11 uh, Muslim hijackers. I mean, how, how much more deeply held is that? Oh, my gosh. Is you there... always go
1: for the throw at Sounder 5. I do. You always go for the
0: throw. <laughs> I want them to stop and think. And sometimes you really just have to say stuff like that to get them to. You
1: know. Sure. But just know your audience. That's all I'm saying. Like, you should know who you're talking to. I wouldn't throw that out to, like, a perfect stranger who have not gotten a good gauge yet. Uh-huh. I would throw it out maybe to a good friend who is who's aware that I might say things like that. But or but not someone who has like a position of power over me, or someone I have to see on a regular basis, like at work or something yeah. like that.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm going to change my name <laughs> on the radio from Doubter Five to Sledgehammer. How's that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: the Sledgehammer um, approach. So yeah. I want to I do want to make one point of clarity. A lot of people use the word faith or their belief as a statement of their commitment to the religion or the culture but not necessarily that they believe in that God. So, and what I mean by that is you may meet, for example, a Christian who says, hey, are you a Christian? They'll say, yeah, but they don't mean I believe, I also believe in God and that snakes can talk and that Jesus arose from the dead three days later. They mean it more like, well, my family's Christian, and I love my family, and I love the place where I was born and raised, and it's a really good community, and I, I think it's full of good people, and they're generally nice guys. Yeah. That's what they mean by that. Yeah. And you really want to be aware of where they're coming from before you start trying to uh, decipher their belief mechanism. And that's really what the approach is all about. That's why it's so important to approach someone before you give them a, a hard line of reasoning or hit them with a hammer. No. You should really understand what they believe and why they believe it before you start to, like, dissect it or try to better understand it with them. I think it's probably the best way to say it. Mm.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'll do my best right. So uh, do we have good news You know I love good news Well uh, I'd like to give a shout out to him at Meta He's the friendly atheist Uh, I don't know if you know him or not Uh, He came to Knoxville today And gave a speech to the Or gave a talk to the uh, Rationalists of East Tennessee It's their annual speaker event And uh, he came and It was a a very good uh, gathering of people we had um, munchies and stuff Uh, it was uh, very good he covered a lot of topics but one of the things that he covered today was uh, why are young people leaving church and uh, there was a a research council that went out and and gathered information for the Christian community and I wanted to read some of these uh, reasons out Uh, maybe you can uh, comment on some of them uh, one okay. that it was too ins- insular. In other words, they found that, that the church, you know, they they say you shouldn't involve yourself in the outside world. You should be the church and be uh, the life of God and, and the life of Christ in the church and don't really talk to people of the world and don't don't interact with them in the day to day life. And they uh, the young people are are, are bucking that. They they don't like that. They want to be of the world. They want to be. Uh, Part of the community, the larger community. Uh, some of them said it was that the church was too irrelevant, that it's no longer relevant to twentieth uh, century, 21st century uh, life, and they had to move out of it uh, to anti-science. They, they are getting a science in school. They understand it. They have uh, good science teachers, and they go to church, and the church tells them the science isn't real. It doesn't work. And they're saying, well, okay, well, maybe you don't work. And uh, they're leaving church for that reason. They're saying that the church is too sex negative. In other words, everything in sex has to be uh, no sex before marriage, no sex education, uh, do not touch yourself. Uh, All of this stuff is no, 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 no. And these are young people growing up, and they, they have these urges, and they know that if they don't act on them in some way, you know, it will... They will be extremely frustrated, and they're trying to uh, find out why the church is so anti-sex. They say that it's too exclusive. They exclude the church excludes too many people. Um, you know, their friends, their their uh, other people that they know, or uh, other religions are going. They tell them they're going to hell, et cetera, et cetera. And the one thing that you mention a lot is uh, doubt. They need to have doubt, yes. but the church is too anti-doubt. You can't question. Right. You can't have doubt. And one thing that I heard outside of this talk was that it, there was too much hate, just general hate. I mean, they preach love, but then the, you get in there and they just preach hate, hate, hate against the outside group and the, and the abominations that they say are against uh, God's word. And It's it's like hate from the time you get there until the time you leave. Uh, they're not actually preaching the, the love of Jesus, as they say. Anyway, I thought that was very interesting. If you wanted to learn more about Hemet Mehta, uh, do a search for The Friendly Atheist, or you can go to his website, which is thefriendlyatheist.com. Nice. Excuse me. That's a great piece of good news. Yeah. I like yeah. that. I really do. Well, cool. Do you have some some good news?
1: Uh, so, uh, more just a uh, oh, quick summary, I guess, of what minute. I said.
0: One minute. Go ahead.
1: Okay, one minute. So, basically, summary is, like, listen, everyone doesn't like talking about religion. I don't think anyone does, unless they're apps. No one likes hearing something that's different from what they think, more or less. So, in the approach, when you approach someone in, to talk about your beliefs, just get a chance to understand where they're coming from. And also, if you're hearing our conversation, ask yourself some of the questions we talked about on the show. Uh, We'd like to hear back from you. Also, there's a uh, Street Epistemology Facebook group. Check that out, full of great people. And I'd like to have some of those guys who are listening to that show or us talk right now on that Facebook group. Call in. Um, I'm going to send the invites out, and I would love to hear about your experiences as well. All right.
0: Okay. And for everybody out there, remember, everybody's going to somebody else's help. Don't sweat it. And we'll see you next week. Bye,
1: Bye!
2: OCO, LP, 103.9 FM, Knoxville.